The African philosophy is something that's kind of missing, I think, a lot from the discourse. I wanted to kind of highlight it, just like the importance of us going back to um, Africa. Just because you're a hypocrite doesn't, it doesn't mean you're wrong. No, yeah. not, not just that it doesn't mean you're wrong, it doesn't remove the validity of the question. Mm. I think it's the issue of picking on Africa. We need to create a generation where there's so many young, bright leaders. Welcome to Afrolog Podcast, a platform for informed debate and discussion on African and the wider black community issues. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Afrolog. Today we're going to be discussing healthcare issues, but more specifically black women. Um, so we're looking at maternal deaths as there's been a lot of outrage online recently, both in the UK and in the US as the stats have been glaringly different and there's been so much outrage surrounding it. We thought we have to talk about it today. I'm here with Oyen and Rashid. Hi guys! Hey, hey! So we also have a special guest. Mariah, please introduce yourself, tell us your background. Hi everyone, my name is Mariah. Uh, I'm a clinical pharmacist uh, and I have ex- had experience within maternal health. Um, and apart from working as a clinical pharmacist, I'm also part of a group called AHI, which stands for Afro Health Initiative. And what we essentially um, stand for is to bring people from the diaspora who want to work on the continent in terms of any healthcare projects or improving healthcare outcomes the continent together that's absolutely awesome guys um follow health afro health initiative on instagram please yes please that would be so great (laughs) and why do you think these kind of platforms are important because recently um senator kamala harris she wrote an article for essence and we also had one of the BBC journalists, I can't remember her name, sorry about this, but I'll share the article on our Twitter page. Um, she shared an article stating the stats and everyone underneath the comments were like, this is very divisive. What is the word, please, guys? Divisive? <laughs> divisive, that's it. Wow, my mind went blank. Um, people were saying that this is divisive, that we should have a united approach um, and that focusing on colour is problematic. Um, so why do you think that we should like solely focus on the diaspora and black women when it comes to these kind of healthcare issues? I think one of the reasons why it's so important to focus on these issues, uh, and I think that the Black Lives Matter movement has kind of made that glaringly obvious to a lot of people who may have not been aware of it, is that black people, we essentially, we're not asking for preferable uh Uh, you know treatment right Mm -hmm. essentially what we're asking for is to be treated equally and with the research that has uh, come out in past few years it's just become more and more obvious that there is a a racial disparity within healthcare um, that is causing uh, worse healthcare outcomes for people of color and that is something that needs to change so it's essentially um, creating a space whereby the gap Mm -hmm between the health care outcomes that black people have versus our white counterparts is equal so that if there are any differences that we can uh, contribute these differences to let's say oh the reason why a black woman has uh, more issues with uh, health 
uh, with it when it comes to high blood pressure is due to genetics and not because of a different type of treatment that she may have. So I think that's why that there is such a huge problem now that's so visible that black people are being treated differently within healthcare. Um, just kind of emphasizes what we're seeing as well is that this systemic racism that we're seeing is not just within uh, you know business or with day to day life, but that this is also seeped into our healthcare system. That's the thing. Racism has permeated all of the industries. Like with Black Lives Matter, it, yes, we were yelling defund the police and looking to the police, but then there were all these stories from every other industry. Like you had X Factor when they were talking about what they've been through in the music industry. And then also like this spotlight on healthcare is very important. Okay, guys, don't laugh at me, but I saw this i don't know if you guys have seen on tiktok some people are using the platform to highlight um things like black wall street like they're using the quick videos to just put in some important facts mm. and so i saw this video i don't know if it was stanford or it was one of those like ivy league type unis in america and it was showing like stats and figures of med students who believed that um black people didn't feel as much pain as like yeah and the yeah. thing is i genuinely and this is why i say advocacy is so important because i actually went through something like this i went to the doctors and um he had to cut off a bit of my skin so that they could take it to the lab and check and he gave me an injection but i'm just like i can still feel you like i can feel the knife i can feel everything and he's like no you can't no you can't this is enough for someone wow. like you and i'm literally like i can feel it I can feel, and my friend had to like. He just he lost control. He's like, "Yo, if she says she can feel it, then she can feel it." And he reluctantly gave me more anesthesia. But it's just the fact that why do I have to beg and plead for you to see that? Yeah, like this is it, like my skin the, isn't that thick. The proof is in the pudding. The fact that we even have this conversation, the fact that you know the statistics are as you know ghastly as they as they are, mm. is evidence that there's something obviously going wrong. So asking the question whether. Um, breaking it down into race is div divisive or not. It's, very, it's quite stupid, in my opinion, because if there wasn't an issue, I mean, if, if the um, statistics didn't demonstrate it, then we wouldn't be dividing it into race. Obviously, for there to be such a high proportion of, you know, black women being more likely to do, to do whatever, I mean, to go left in regards to childbirth, mm -hmm. it's quite clear that it is a race issue for it to be black exactly. women that are five times more likely. Exactly. I was just going to say, like, to just highlight what the statistics are, is that black women are five times more likely than white women to die in pregnancy and childbirth in the UK and Ireland. And this is very similar to our counterparts in the US as well. And also, even with COVID-19, 55% of pregnant women admitted to hospitals with the virus were from black, Asian, or other ethnic minority backgrounds. And it would just be good to, you know, hear from Mariah um, what you think about that and how you think, like, these statistics have come to be. Yeah, so even to add to that is that, like you said, 55% of pregnant women who were admitted during the pandemic were of uh, BAME background, uh, which is quite astounding considering that the BAME uh, population is only 13% of the entire population of the UK. And then on top of that, black pregnant women were eight times more likely to be admitted with COVID than mm. their white counterparts. So one of the issues... Um, 
that we've seen with the statistics is that it's a multifactorial issue. So uh, one of the things that we know is that black women, for example, we have a higher risk of having fibroids. So fibroids are non-cancerous tumor growths in and around the womb. And these Mm. growths can cause um, moderate to severe complications during pregnancy and during childbirth. Um, Black women have a higher chance of getting gestational diabetes, which can also cause a greater risk and black women of African origin are uh, also uh, more likely to get high blood pressure during uh, pregnancy and after which is called preeclampsia so there is a um, you know a genetic factor that plays a role that we are aware of and there's a lot of there is research being done around that but another factor that plays a role is socioeconomic factors play a role in this as well um, you know if you don't have the best living uh, or working situation then that also within research has shown to have a negative impact on your health outcomes and maternities included within that bracket uh, but I think what the issues here is that the uh, third segment that is causing a lot of the issues is that when you speak to black women and when hearing different anecdotes from black moms and their experiences during their pregnancy journey as well as after um, giving birth is that they've had a lot of situations where they felt that their needs weren't being met, uh, they felt neglected, um, not taken seriously and some unfortunately in many cases that this has had a very you know detrimental outcome so what I think really needs to happen is that even though the report that recently came out so in November 2019 um, there was a big research that was done called the Embrace report so within this report this they mainly look at uh, maternal um, issues uh, in regards to uh, mortality and this is where they came out with the statistics that black women are five times more likely to die within child uh, within uh, their maternal journey and then it's two times more for Asian women and three times more for women of mixed backgrounds and even for them they also recognize that you know that racism has a part to play in this Um, and the NHS has also acknowledged that this is a problem the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have also recognised that this is an issue. So they currently um, have started a task force for racial equality. Um, the problem is that the NHS has now come up with a plan called the Long Term Plan. And what they aim to achieve with this plan is that by 2024, they want women of, black, uh, of BAME background sorry, to have... Um, a midwife that follows them continuously throughout the journey and if there's any need for them to have more care that they will indeed get this care and the aim is to have this for 75 percent of women one of the issues with that is that one it's the emphasis is on being women so what that does is it puts all women of different ethnic backgrounds into the same group whereas even though we all have an issue the issue is very different for each group and the issue Asian women have a two times more likely chance of dying than our white counterparts. Black women is five times more. And that just shows you that there's still a big disparity even within the BAME group. So I think it's one very important for that to be split out and really look at each group individually and look at what the needs are. 
But before this plan is put in place, I think it's also very important that black women take the time to educate themselves. I think that unfortunately, uh, you know, you can't just rely on healthcare professionals to do the work for you. You need to take responsibility in doing your own research and speaking up for yourself as well is extremely important. If you feel that something is not right, if you feel that, you know, you're not getting the appropriate care, don't feel afraid to speak up have if you can get support whether that be family member friend your partner someone who can also advocate for you especially during childbirth when you may not be in a position to do so i think is extremely important that black women seek out that support in that time and one of the reasons why i feel like there isn't enough uh, space for black women to rely on um the medical professionals, unfortunately, not just due to the statistics that's made that quite obvious, it's also that there's been so much ingrainment of racism within, you know, um, medical mm. advancement that have been made. So, for example, the vaginal specular, which is um, a device that is used at, uh, within um, gynecological um, research so for example if a woman goes to her gp to have a smear test for example they will insert the speculum and then they can take tissue from your cervix this was a device that was discovered in the 19th century by a man who was seen as the father of gynecology um, his name was james marion sims and he used to do experiments on enslaved black women um, to discover this, this this device and he did not use anesthetics whilst he was doing this so you can imagine how violating that must have been for these women to have gone through all these procedures with no anesthetics because they believed that black women do not feel pain and with research that's mainly been done in the US and I hope that with time more of that research will be done in the UK as well it has been shown that you know there is this implicit bias that is present among the medical community whereby they do believe that we do not feel pain as much and therefore you know the care that we may need may not necessarily need to be on the same level as white women do and even the american college of obstetricians and gynecologists they have acknowledged as well that the causes of difference in maternal health outcomes do include impact of racism and implicit bias in access and delivery of healthcare that women have received. So, you know, in the US, I think there are a step further with acknowledging that racism has a part to play in this. And I think in the UK, there is more of an awareness around that now. Um, but yeah, I think there still needs to, more research needs to be done within the UK setting for us to understand what is actually happening here and what we as a community can also do um, to prevent uh, that from happening. Wow, thank you so much, Mariah. I think one key thing that really stood out for me in everything that you said is the fact that there are scientifically proven and well-established um, uh, genetic, uh, what was the word, facts about um, black people and black women's health in general that makes us, you know, very susceptible to things like preeclampsia as well as fibroids and things like that. And it just makes you think if, if the medical community is aware that due to genetics, we're more, um, we're more prone to develop these conditions during pregnancy. Why is it then that we're still somehow undermined? It kind of, 
if you, it just doesn't make any sense it just it just makes sense that you know within the medical community if you know a group of people are more mm. likely to get this type of disease or you know then maybe we need to look out more when when they're in that particular condition to ensure that we prevent every possible um you know situation that could that could result in those diseases mm-hmm. um does that make any sense yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. I think that, again, it, it kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier, right? With um, There's so many factors that play a role in that. So the five times more issue that black women are having, it cannot be, con- it can, you can't put the blame of that only on genetics. The gap is mm-hmm. too wide for that to be the reason, especially because yeah. it was not five times more before. The statistics has been lower before, and to see that the gap is widening shows that there needs to be more research done as to why is this actually happening. Mm. And I think that also within the uh, medical curriculum, not just for medicine, but I think for other courses such as nursing, pharmacy as well, there needs to be more of an emphasis on understanding how um, black people experience different healthcare issues. So, for example, um, outside of maternity, there is a medical student who recently, his name is Malone, he came out with a book called Mind the Gap, where he mm-hmm. actually looked at the difference of skincare, uh, sorry, oh, yeah. not skincare, but skin issues within black people and how they present differently. So, for example, in medicine, you would learn that, you know, if you have uh, a particular skin condition that uh, you know your skin would be very red but for black people that is not the case so that just shows you that the fact that a medical student in this year is still you know taking the responsibility on himself to educate others about issues that should already be you know incorporated into our curriculum just shows you that there's still a lot of learning to be done for us to understand and do more research as to okay so why are these issues actually happening and what can we actually do to help these women who have fibroids or who have certain issues because they are aware but i just think that the there is a bit of a neglect when it comes to actually ensuring that these women get the care that they need so that we can minimize the gap that we have at the moment Definitely. I think a lot of unlearning needs to be done as well. Like, I think maybe in their heads, the perfect patient or the norm is who they see themselves as, do you know what I mean? And their surroundings. So that's not always going to be your patient. Your patient, as you said, it might not be red. Your patient might not. But at, at the end of the day, they're still hurting. And you need to look outside of yourself and Absolutely. understand that they need your help. Like, you're in such an important position within society and these people are vulnerable and to just turn them away because their symptoms aren't what you have in mind is it, I don't understand how that's still happening in today's in 2020 yeah I, know. I agree with you I was just um, going to say that in terms of you know the oath that you know medical professionals a lot have yeah. to hear in terms of do no harm it's yeah. like it's very contradictory when it comes to black women and black people's health. I think in, in the UK and across many, you know, um, other countries like the U S and, you know, countries where it's mostly, I guess, Caucasian dominated, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. because it'll be interesting to know. And I know that you're from Holland. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Correct. It would be interesting to know if this is similar, would you say, in in a country like Holland, if you do know, or if you know of any other statistics within Europe. So I'm not 
familiar with the statistics within the Netherlands, but I do know that there have been various discussions uh, within black communities in general, um, whereby there seems to be a bit of distrust from people, um, black people who don't necessarily feel like they can trust medical professionals due to feeling that, you know, medical concerns have not been taken seriously, um, feeling that they aren't because they don't maybe because they speak the language with an accent there you know automatically just kind of creates this stigma that they may not be intelligent or they may not mm. necessarily understand things so people are quite distrusting there from my own experience of working as a pharmacist in hospital there that is something that I saw quite a lot and uh, one of the commonalities between there and here is that me being black myself and if you come across black patients you can see the relief on their face to have someone who looks like them and someone that they feel yeah. that they can confide in and you can see that sometimes it even gets to a point where they will start telling you about healthcare issues of people who aren't even there and oh this person in my family has this do you know what I can do for them as well and, and I understand where that's coming from right it, it just kind of shows you that there's still a lot to be done uh, not just in the UK but I think in the western world in general for within medical professionals within the studies for people to understand that you know it's not just all about understanding the medical aspect of it i think there also needs to be an understanding for the culture of the person as well cultural safety is also very important so understanding that you know if a person um, from a particular background may tell you something that may seem quite strange to you you need to still be as objective as possible to understand that their culture may not necessarily align with you but that cultural um, thing that the situation that they may bring to you may have a huge impact on their health problems and having an understanding for that and I think that black people in general just do not feel as comfortable sharing that with people who aren't black due to experiences that they've had so I think that again within um, the teachings when you are learning to become a medical professional that it's so important that you learn about the history as to how have we gotten to this point I think there needs to be more of an emphasis as to how have we gotten to this point of the different Uh, you know medical discoveries that we've had you know how has that impacted different societies but then also learning about you know uh, within certain cultures it's not normal to talk about fertility issues you know in certain cultures there it's expected of you as a woman to have five children and if you're Mm -hmm. having fertility issues uh, then that's not something that you may be comfortable discussing so how do you deal with patients who come from such a background so i think there needs to be more emphasis on having that uh learning as well mm. I think and patients as well yeah that too going going back to what you mentioned about you know the government plan that they hope to you know divert, um be in place by 2024 in terms of having uh, a midwife all throughout you know uh, the pregnancy why does it have to take till 2024 well, are you telling me that black women are going to continuously be at five times more likely to die as well as 1.5 more likely to have still births than white women until 2024 and even at that you're still kind of like putting us all into the same group as asian women and mm-hmm. you know other ethnic minorities why is it taking till 2024 and why is there such a reluctance? And I don't think this is just within the medical field. I just think the UK just wants to put everyone that's not white into one group, which is so unhelpful and so 
um, what's the word, um, counterintuitive, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think one of the, the reasons why it's probably going to take so long is that it's more of an, an aim to have that by 2024. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm guessing that it's more of the NHS giving themselves time to put things into place because, you know, the NHS is such a huge organization, several hospitals spread across the country. It's going to, you know, it's going to involve a lot of training. It's going to involve a lot of unlearning a lot of policies that need to be written people from executive boards that need to be involved in several meetings so it's a whole process and a whole structurization uh, to change current practice and changing practice whilst people are still having babies whilst people are still getting pregnant so that is the issue why with various different plans within healthcare it sometimes can take a bit longer and that is very frustrating and um, that's what I think in that time, like you said, I completely agree Like we can't wait till 2024 for things to change. And the plan by 2024 is 75%. So what happens to the other 25% of BAME women, mm. you know, that go into that bracket, we may not necessarily be able to get that care. And we also need to understand that, you know, NHS is under immense pressure as well. There's, you know, they're understaffed, they don't have sufficient funds. So all of those factors play a role into how long it will actually take for these plans to come to pass and actually have an impact on the statistics that we're seeing today. And I think because of these things that's why it's so important for the black community to take the responsibility to do the research to empower themselves that if they are having issues or they feel like they're not getting the right care that they seek a second opinion or that you if you can afford it um what something that i'm an advocate for is yeah private health care as well mm. um going to see a, a specialist there not to say that private health care is necessarily any better because in many cases a lot of nhs uh professionals they go to private healthcare as well so there will be an overlap but still just to have that second opinion uh from somebody else I think, that, I think that also brings up other isms like classism and absolutely i'm, I'm sorry yeah, but feminism as well i don't think um that pregnancy would be that dangerous if it was men like i just think there's certain female issues. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There's certain female <laughs> issues. I look at it and I just think if a man was going through this, they would have fixed this time ago. I mm-hmm. think they would have developed some way for that baby to not have even come in nine months, but to safely get here without this whole ordeal, to be honest. Because even when you look at like abortion, it sounds so medieval to me that she has to go through all that pain and not even get the joy of a baby afterwards. I feel like all of these medical advances, um, but then pregnancy, abortion, like all these female issues are so archaic. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe there needs to be more women in STEM. I don't know. But I just feel like it, the whole healthcare industry stinks of sexism. Even, From the pill to everything, sorry. Even just the, what's it called? Because I got in the mail, I recently turned 25. I got in the mail that the I... The smear test, yeah. Smear test. Go get my smear yeah. test yeah. done. And I'm just like, I really don't want to do it this. It looks like a medieval tool that they used to torture <laughs> people, man. Not to scare you. <laughs> That's the tool I was talking about earlier, you know? The, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. It looks like you torture people with that thing. Mm-hmm. And even, like, injecting someone's elbow so they don't have babies. Surely there, there's an easier way to do this. Um, I don't know. 
if it was a man, I'm telling you, this would have been solved. As we have a man, you know, we've got Rashid. I was waiting for this. I actually really want to bring you in because I feel like a lot of the time, and we've seen it in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, that it wasn't until Judge Floyd before we started talking about Breonna Taylor. It wasn't yeah. until George Floyd that we actually restarted this conversation about, you know, female mortality mm. um, within yeah. the, sorry, pregnant mortality. You get my drift. Yeah, okay, yeah. It wasn't until George Floyd. So why, why would you say there's less of an advocacy, uh, at least that's what it seems, amongst mm. black men for black women, especially in the area of like healthcare and pregnancy? Because black women, you know, we've seen time and time again, that when a black man, black man exactly yeah, yeah on 100%. the front lines yeah 100 obviously i can't speak for all men um but generally like i think what what is sometimes i don't know whether there's a level of like our our problem seems to be more prominent around so it only makes sense for you know everyone to support our issues or it might be that women traditionally have been the backbone of i mean not not financially backbone but backbone of the household constantly supporting mm. their men so it kind of filters through men's issues as well but i do also feel like there is a big shift generally amongst black men in regards to understanding that it has been this way for a very long time and so therefore it's time to change and it's time for us to actually support our women i personally from the people who i communicate with and how we communicate there definitely has been a lot more conversation even though it did take george floyd even though it did take you know ahmed arbery and all of that to, to happen first before you know we start mm -hmm. deciding oh there's others women as well even when you talk about it like when people are protesting they'll say oh our black men, as if mm -hmm. to say our black women when also yeah. men the police. Do you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. I think there definitely is a um, a shift in dialogue. And I've tweeted about it the other day, like just generally, like we doesn't seem like black men generally we support our women and their issues as much as we should. Mm -hmm. And I think, think it's causing I don't know. As I, as I said before, I think maybe just because traditionally it's always been the woman that's kind of supported the man to make sure the man is okay and stuff like that and he just brings food home and make sure she's you know what i mean i'm not really sure even speaking from like an african perspective all of us here were africans right mm. um and if you if you look at the family if you look at the way there's such a pressure on women to be quote unquote fruitful in terms of in the area of bearing children that i saw a clip from netflix the other day netflix nigeria and it was talking about, and it was a doctor um, telling this woman that she needed to get a hysterectomy, right? And which in, in, in essentially would prevent her from ever being able to have children. And as soon as, you know, she heard that news, she was distraught. She left the room and the doctor literally said to the man, you should just leave that woman alone. She's not going to add anything to your life. Here you have a medical professional who would say that to a fellow man. And it's like, while that might have been fiction, I feel like this, that's probably something that happens in reality because I feel like fiction a lot of times is not just, you know, we woven out of just nothing. Mm, exactly. I think it's, it's something that's happened within, you know, the, the African community that women's fertility and women's ability to bear children has always been um, attached to their worth. Absolutely. And, and their humanity. So when a woman dies during childbirth, I feel like men just think it's one of those things that happen, you know, and that, you know, when women talk about the problems, it's like, oh, but so many women have babies and get pregnant. You're not that special kind of thing. I think that's probably... Mm, I don't know about all that. 
I mean, I, I, I think maybe with the older gen, I do hope the younger gen are different. I think that's... I was, yeah. I would say definitely with the older gen, that might more be the case. And I think that one of the things that um, is quite important to note here as well is that even though these people are medical professionals, they're still the same people who go back mm. home and have regular lives. So sometimes it's, it's it, just because someone is a doctor and yes, you know, you do swear an oath, you are still bringing yourself to work. And I think sometimes within the, the African context, we find it very hard to separate the two. Mm. Um, and I think that's why you can have issues whereby, you know, women who can't give birth are looked down upon. I don't know if any of you have seen this film called, it used to be on Netflix, but they've taken it off. It's called Mother of George. Um, no, I've not seen it. Yeah, it's a film about this Nigerian couple who uh, come abroad and uh, the woman is having issues uh, conceiving and the pressure that's being put on her by the family and you know the shame that they're put on her like you know yeah woman and you can't have children you're not bringing a son and you know just kind of pushing the son to perhaps look elsewhere as well remarry or something yeah 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 so it just kind of shows you that you know within our cult within the african culture there's such a pressure on women to you know be fertile and have you know everything within our reproductive system work perfectly uh, but that's unfortunately not everyone's story and i think there needs to be more of an acceptance for Africans within healthcare as well to have an understanding that, you know, these women need support as well. And just mm -hmm. because they're having issues, that does not make them less of a woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also, also goes to the fact that when women don't want to have children too, it doesn't necessarily mean they can't. It just means that they mm -hmm. have the agency to... Yes, this, this. If you say this in front of an African, they'll mean like you're saying something so unheard of. You I think what? Just, yeah, <laughs> and it's like, just respect women. Don't ask so in, so many intrusive questions, whether it be mm -hmm. children, whether it be marriage. Just mind your own, like mm -hmm. really. And it's something to say because I've never. I, I always say, and it might seem like I'm a bit. Some people think I'm a bit radical, but I just feel like, especially within you know African relationships, like even modern day today, I just think that. A man shouldn't have to, men, men, because your body is not the one doing the work, I don't feel like men should have a right to say whether or not, uh, yeah, no, how, many kids, how many mm. kids should be had or not had. I find, I, I, I can count on my hands how many men mm. I've met who are not interested, in, I'm sorry, African men, who have met who are not interested in African children. And it's like, they just want these children without thinking about the, um, health. Um, so I get that, but question. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm gonna interject there. You said um, you don't feel like a man should have an impact or input on how many children. Does that include if he wants less as well? Okay, so that's different. No, that's different. That's different. Like if a woman doesn't want to have children, I don't think any man should have a right to uh, determine that for her. But if a man yeah. doesn't want kids, I don't think a woman has a, ha, has the same right to kind of force kids on him either. Mm. Mm. So I think it goes kind of both ways. Mm. But I feel like a lot of times, like maybe within the African community, it's almost like if you're not having children, then what are you doing? You know? Yeah, which is crazy. Like, <laughs> more than my room, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, but I, this, um, 
this really blends into what I want to talk about next, actually, if you guys are ready to move on to the next topic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, Bill Gates in Africa because we're talking about children and a lot of Bill Gates' work in Africa, for some reason, it always seems to revolve around population control. Mm. And it's just like, okay, first of all, I want to quickly mention why I wanted to bring up Bill Gates in the first place. Um, I don't know if you guys remembered, they had like, I don't know if it was Congress or House of Representatives or whatever, but they had um, like the CEO of Apple, the CEO of Google, the CEO of Facebook um, being grilled and being questioned. And I just thought we live in a day and age where these tech dudes have so much control like with the whole Cambridge Analytica situation like these will have the power to rig elections and so now we have someone like Bill Gates who if anyone knows how white people are treated in Africa they are literally treated like kings and queens so to have someone with as much money as Bill Gates in Africa I just feel like there isn't anyone to check him like who is checking him And so he mentions a lot about population control and that um, the key to getting rid of poverty or reducing poverty is families, is first of all vaccines. Like if people are healthier, obviously they'll live longer and things will prosper. But also families having less children. Mm. Like what do you guys think about that? Well, first of all, I think that Bill Gates has a very good point in terms of population control. But, yeah. but the problem, I can, and I can see where the problem is. The problem is a white man telling Africans how, Thank to, you. Uh, how to populate themselves. And I think it was Prince Charles that also echoed the same sort of uh, rhetoric. I think it was one of, somebody in the royal family said the same thing mm. similarly. No, it was William. It was Prince William. He, mm. said, he, said, he said something along the lines of Africa needed a population control strategy. And I think those are very valid points, but it's, it's more of who the orator is, yeah. who, who is communicating these. These are people who through their ancestries have perpetuated all sorts of genocides and injustices against African people and other, um, other ethnicities across the world. So I don't think Genesis as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Bill Gates is necessarily the problem. I think it's the history behind everything that's going on. I don't know if anybody else kind of echoes maybe the same. Um, yeah, 100%. And I think, I think that's why sometimes, yeah, when people, when conspiracy theorists talk, yeah, I'm like, it might be right, you know, because... <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, it's a bit mad. Because if you Especially did, as I, what Mariah said earlier about vaccines and, like, sorry, about distrusting healthcare professionals because of the 100%. history of how these advancements have come about. A lot of vaccines have come because black people have been used as test dummies. Yeah, exactly. I just don't feel comfortable with Bill Gates even, running around experimenting on poor black people. 100%. Even like this coronavirus situation where they say they went to test the viruses is again testing on black people. Like, it literally, history doesn't bloody hell. It literally yeah, just repeats itself. He, he was so <laughs> brave to say that on the news, like, let's go and test on these Africans. Like, that was just crazy. Yes. Oh, yeah. What, what did we do last time? We tested on them. Why let's do that again? Yes. And there's a good point there, actually, that you guys have raised with the fact that one of the reasons why they wanted to test in Africa is the fact that we have less regulations and less control yeah. over the implementation of vaccines as well as just medical um, innovation. 
as well uh, across the continent. There's just, there might be regional pockets of regulation, but it's not like widespread, like maybe you would have within the EU as, as an example, right? So that's why a lot of things are lax, a lot of things they can get away with it. That's why I think it was it Johnson just Johnson that yeah, killed a bunch of babies. Um, yeah, I think it's Johnson and Johnson. Sounds right. Yeah, because a bunch of baby. I think it was in Nigeria, maybe in the Congo. I don't know across Africa. But then you have people like Bill Gates who have actually enabled countries like Nigeria to eradicate polio. Mm. So I don't necessarily think that the problem is just you know philanthropists like bill gates i think there's Mm. a wider problem of regulation as well as taking control of the production and innovation of medical advancements across the continent i think think the the problem always is always like we need to as a, a continent we need to kind of like step up ourselves anyway we can't allow people to just be to come into our home ground and think they can do what they want i don't care how much money you've got i don't care how light your skin is this is our ground this is our territory and we manage this place the way we see fit when you come you adhere to what we have to say but a lot of our leaders are too greedy or they feel like this guy's bill gates come on like bill gates he must be looking for the you know the best but at the end of the day people tend to do things for a selfish nature even charity they say charity is selfish in itself it makes you very really selfish um yeah. so we need to actually understand that we need to make sure that things that are coming to us that are being presented to us are actually genuinely deep down for our benefit mm-hmm. and not just for the short term for the long term. And, and I don't only think it's just for us looking at, you know, people coming to us and looking at if what they're presenting to us is actually genuine. I think Africa needs to take the onus on doing the research themselves. Yeah. So even if you look at the, um, the database of uh, DNA that's being used for research, uh, a very small amount of that is actually African uh, DNA and that then translates itself to certain medications not working as well in, within the black population versus our white counterparts. So there also needs to be a case where Africa is not just waiting for you know UNICEF and the WHO to come up with these different projects, but for our leaders to stop being greedy and actually look at, okay, we have a problem here with corona, we have a problem here with Ebola. What resources do we have or what types of health infrastructure do we need to set in place so we can do the research for ourselves i feel like there's too much of a reliance on aid from elsewhere or help from other people or private projects or maybe even people in the diaspora who go back home and decide to set things up for themselves rather than the government taking the responsibility of setting things in place whereby Africa doesn't need to rely on research being done at Oxford University before we can then get corona treatment. Mm. I mean, this brings brings me back to Madagascar and the creation of this corona vaccine that they said that they had. And a lot of people were saying it's anti-black not to um, support that. And I was one of the people who were vocal about the fact that, look, at the end of the day, I'm all for Madagascar developing a vaccine or, uh, or, or a syrup, whatever it was. But what, how has this been tested? You know, how many rounds of testing has this gone through? Uh, what sort of, you know, regulations uh, were followed to ensure that, you know, it's gone through all the levels of testing that is required and blah, blah, blah. And it's backfired. It's backfired. People are dying in Madagascar because this so-called treatment is not working. It's it's literally it's just not working. It's not working fast. 
exactly and you know medical what's called medical like vaccines go through so many different stages before they are approved for the Mm. market you know Mm. and i think it's we're very quick sometimes within the african slash black community to just want to jump at a black um own or african developed uh maybe advancement which is great but has it gone through the testing and i'm not saying we need to follow western style testing but have we developed our own regulations and testings to ensure that it it works for us and it's not going to cause harm to us yeah, due diligence needs to be shown. It needs to be shown at the end of the day, you know. I mean, people are dying in Madagascar. The former president of Gambia said he had, he had discovered a, a HIV vaccination that ended up poisoning people. You know, oh the, the, there's, a, there's a pattern here. And it just seems like we're not, we're not, we're quick to, we're quick to demonize rather than to really assess, you know, like what real progress looks like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I don't, I don't think the problem is um, Bill Gates inherently. <laughs> I think the problem is our leaders because yeah. Bill Gates is talking about the future of Africa. When do Africans get invited to Europe to discuss the future of Europe? That's mm. my issue. Mm. It's so strange. Yeah, it's very strange. And that's what I find so interesting is to see that so many people have a say or have something to say about Africa. But what do we actually have to say about our own continent? Just like you said, you know, Bill Gates is talking about, you know, the future of Africa. But who's asking Africa for our opinion on anything else? I think that the problem also lies in that we don't value what we have and we are too self-centered on our own gains that we don't uh, do things for the greater good because how is it that you know for example a lot of uh, Chinese people are coming to Africa and mm-hmm. are setting up businesses don't get me started. <laughs> you know but can can these Africans actually go to China and do the exact same thing I don't think mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we don't have the infrastructure in place we are too the government is too cons- is too you know concerned with oh you know China is giving us a nice check for a couple of uh, million dollars great we'll share that amongst the five of us we can you know put our money in our bank accounts in switzerland and then the rest of the continent that's your own and then what happens is that that then trickles down to society where people uh you know aren't getting the right opportunities chinese are building chinatown they're building establishments for themselves within a foreign country but then the, the indigenous people aren't e- even able to do that for themselves because the government doesn't give them the resources that's so, a very good point and i think actually we're very much due for i feel like in the beginning of afro we, we discussed a lot about china in africa and we're very much due for i think maybe an update because a couple of things have come up in the news. Um, there was the um, Chinese company in Abia State in Nigeria who are mistreating um, Nigerians with the help of our own soldiers and our own police forces and our own governors. So the governor of Abia State is in the pockets of Chinese businessmen, you know? And it's, it's a whole bag. It's, it's, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think we'll definitely do an update on that pretty soon. Definitely. Yeah. I think it all goes down to an inferiority complex. Like, as you said, the money goes to Switzerland. Their kids go to Russell Group or Ivy Leagues. Like, there's just... 
there's a deep-rooted inferiority complex that we do need to overcome in order to be a big player in the international realm. Mm. Yeah. But so think- thank you so much, Mariah, for coming and discussing uh, healthcare with us. It's been so insightful. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And guys, please share, retweet, like, and comment your thoughts on our Afrolog page. And follow Afro Health Initiative on Instagram. Um, that's the initiative that um, Mariah is a part of. And we honestly, I think we will definitely be looking to Afro Health Initiative in the future for more like discussions on like, you know, diaspora health, health concerns. Um, and I think it's really great, honestly, that you guys exist. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's a much needed platform. Exactly. Can you give us again, like, a, just a, a background of exactly what Afro Health Initiative, just in case people have, you know, forgotten? Oh, yes, of course. So essentially what we uh, do is we are a group of um, health care enthusiasts. So we have a plethora of people from different backgrounds, from uh, public health, global health, to medical doctors, pharmacists, health economics. So what we want to do is that because we're all from various African countries and we see that there's a huge bring drain within Africa and what that essentially means is that there's a huge lack of healthcare professionals that leave the African continent to the western world because of the situation on the ground it's not you know suitable for them um, to grow as a professional as well as just other socio-economic uh, factors that play a role in that so what we want to do is to close the tap on that brain drain and actually um, cause a brain gain so helping people who have projects on the ground whether that being different organizations um, to link them up with people f- from within the African diaspora within the western world to help out so if you're a doctor a dentist a nurse who is interested in helping out in different projects on the continent or you have an amazing idea yourself uh, it would be great for you to get in touch with us and we can see how we can help you uh, with your project or maybe link you up with someone on the continent who might be doing something similar so that we can just all use uh, you know our amazing ideas and talents and gifts to improve healthcare in Africa. Awesome that's really amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much again for joining us. And that's the end for today. This is Afrolog. <laughs>